talked about having, uh, when Jeff has an internal perspective, when Jeff doesn't have a 70, 80, 90 year perspective on life, all of a sudden I get an internal perspective. And when I get an internal perspective, my time, my energy, my finances, my whole life sees beyond my life, sees beyond this lifetime and sees to the lifetime that's going to become. We have a life beyond this life and, and an eternal life with our Heavenly Father. And so God wants to use us to build the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God to go throughout the earth and change what is happening in this earth. And so God then gives us a purpose. He gives us a purpose for why I'm on planet earth. And that's huge. If you don't understand why I'm on planet Earth at this time in this place, that's when the enemy comes and he can bring deception, he can deceive us, he can lead us astray, he can take us down roads that God never intended for us to go down, and he can take our marriage and our kids in all kinds of different directions. When we don't understand the purpose that God's put on our life, the purpose that God's put on our family, the purpose that God's put on our kids, you know, I'm constantly reminded about the purposes that my kids have. You know, when I see this little seven-year-old, I don't see him as a little seven-year-old. I see him as a 22-year-old someday that's going to be on Elevate Church's stage preaching the Word of God. I see the purpose in his life. So understanding purpose is incredibly important to knowing why I exist in us as the church, Elevate Church, understanding our purpose is incredibly important. And for us collectively to know why are we here? Why are we coming together? Are we just coming together to have church? Are we just coming together to have a good moment with Jesus? Or are we coming together to be a movement that changes the world? And I'm called to make a movement that is going to change the world. And if you're with me, then you're a part of that. Thank you so much, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. So, why is Elevate? Why does Elevate exist? We talked a little bit about it last week. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus sees a group of people. And when he sees a group of people, he says they look like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, okay? When we look at Jesus as the ultimate shepherd, what do we see? We see Jesus, the one who lays his life down for others. The one that says, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to give my life. But what was the other key ingredient of Jesus being a good shepherd was this, truth. Okay? True. So if you're taking notes today, which I highly suggest you do, you're taking notes on your phone, you write them down. Just my message today is called End Time Truth. Okay? End Time Truth. Jesus has called Elevate Church to be a church that brings truth to your generation, but is a church that brings truth to his generation. Okay? And it's incredibly important that we build this church not on my opinion. I want you to understand that. I'm not Jesus. There are going to be times that you're going to come to me and Jess with issues and problems that are happening in your life and in your marriage and in your job and your career and your future. And you know what me and Jess are going to tell you? And we tell this to everybody. Hey, tell me what Jesus is saying to you. Because so often we treat pastors like they are God. Like, they're Jesus. They know all the answers. 
I don't know all the answers, okay? I am not Jesus, okay? I don't want to give you all the answers in life. My job is to lead you to the one that has all the answers, okay? That's my job, and that's my purpose of being here, is to lead you to a place that you can find truth, but that we can build a church that gives truth to the next generation. Uh, go with me to 2 Timothy, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 5, okay? And this is Paul talking to Timothy, a young man in ministry. This is Paul kind of imparting some last bits of wisdom into his young apprentice. He's telling him some important key things about his life and the future life to come. And he says this in verse 1. He said, you should know this, Timothy. In the last days, there will be difficult times. How many say that we're living in difficult times? We're living in confusing times. We're living in moments that, I'll be honest with you, that even when I was a kid, I didn't really necessarily see coming. There's a lot happening in the earth. There's a lot happening in our country. We're living in difficult times. And I think sometimes we have this idea and this thought like, God, why is this happening? Where are you? What's going on? But Paul told Timothy, listen, in the end days, in the last days, there's going to be difficult times. There's going to be moments that you don't understand, and you're going to have to lean into the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to lean into the Word of God. You're going to have to lean on Jesus to get truth and understanding. Because he said there's going to be times that are difficult. Verse 2 says, For people will love only themselves and their money. Verse goes on to say, they will become boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, considering nothing sacred. They'll be, uh, they will be uh, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous to others, no self-control. They'll be cruel, they'll hate what is good, they'll betray their friends, they'll be reckless, they'll be puffed up with pride, they'll love pleasure more than God. They'll act religious, but reject the power that comes to godliness. And I think if we all look at this passage of Scripture, we all go, yeah, that's a pretty good picture of our world. You know, when Paul is talking to Timothy, the reality is this, that he wasn't necessarily talking to him about the world, but he was talking about in the end days, this is what the world and the church is going to look like. There's going to be a day that what the world looks like is actually what the church looks like. And if you think about it for a second, Timothy's mind must have been blown to think, oh, there's a day that people are only going to love themselves? There's a day that people are going to love their money and they're going to be boastful and they're going to be proud and they're going to rather have pleasure. I mean, think about Timothy. He's in a New Testament church. He's seeing people get healed all the time. He's seeing the power of God move, and he's going, there's a day coming where in the church of Jesus Christ, the power of God doesn't move. The power of God can't move because nobody believes. And we just want this religious customs. We just want this religious setting, and we don't really crave after the power of God that really changes you. Can you imagine Timothy's mind being blown in this moment? But this is what Paul says the church will look like in the end days. And so Paul is looking at the church and going, there's problems. And we start looking at the earth and we go, there's a lot of problems in the earth, correct? There's a lot of problems 
in the church. But I think that's where our vision kind of stops. We start looking at the earth, we look at the church, and we see the problems, and we love to point out the problems, right? We love to talk about the political problems. We love to talk about the problems at work. We love to talk about the problems of people. We love to discuss all of the problems, but that's where our vision ends. But that's not what God intended for our lives. God intended for us to look up. Look at your neighbor and say, look up, okay, look up, look up, okay, look up, okay? We're called to look up. We're called to look up to heaven. We're called to ask this question, what does heaven say today? What does heaven say about my life today? What does heaven say about my purpose today? What is heaven saying about the problems that are happening in the earth? And then we're supposed to take what happens when we get words from heaven. That's why I love the prophetic. I love the prophetic. Because I'm hearing not what I see, but I'm hearing the voice of God. I'm hearing heaven speak. Listen, was it December that you gave me the word about Jehovah Jireh? Nobody understands how that word has carried me through the last few months as I'm looking towards the future. It was a word that came from heaven through Bill to me, but then I take what heaven says and guess what I do with it. I don't just say, oh, that's a good word. That was a good goosebump. I'm so glad church was really good that day. I'm glad that we all had a great time in the presence of God. No, I take that word and what do I do with it? I apply it to the problems of the earth. I apply it to what's happening in the earth. So we're all called. That's the thing that I want us all to understand. Is this, that we are all called to look to heaven. We're all called to look to Jesus and go, Jesus, what are you saying about today? What are you saying about social injustice? Jesus, what are you saying about the economy? Jesus, what are you saying about my home? Jesus, what are you saying about my kids? Jesus, what are you saying about my job? What are you saying about, you know, this was the coolest thing. Dave came up to me uh, after service last Sunday, and he said, you know what? I have this huge problem with this employee at my job. Uh, Dave is um, a branch manager of a bank, and he had a huge problem with one of his employees that made a massive problem massive mistake and Dave said you know before church last Sunday I just wanted to lay the hammer on this guy you know he said I just wanted to come in the next week and fire him and ship him off and send him on his way and, and for us to go in a completely different direction but last Sunday after church Dave came up to me and said I heard Jesus speak to me about him and Jesus told me to care about his life Jesus told me not to lay the hammer on him, but Jesus told me to sit down with him and to go to lunch and to hear his story. See, when we hear heaven, heaven sounds different than what's happening in the earth. And we're called to hear heaven and apply what's happening in heaven, apply truth to the earth. I read this interesting article this week. It was about millennials and Generation Z, okay? And millennials are roughly, I think, age, Drew, help me out, I think age 20 to 36, around there, and then Generation Z is everybody underneath. And this study shows us this. It says that there are 77.4 million millennials living in the United States of America right now, and that has overtaken um, baby boomers. 
okay? Millennials have grown and they've overtaken baby boomers. Now, right behind millennials, there are 66 million Generation Z that are growing up in America right now and they're going to surpass millennials very quickly in the next 10 years. So that tells us that the top two generations in our country today are millennials and Generation Z. Number one demographic in the United States of America. And it says this, I read this article, it says this, the aspect of this generation is widespread usage of the internet at a young age. And I get this, my two-year-old, Luke, I mean, he, he knows YouTube like the back of his hand, you know what I mean? He knows the iPhone. He's two years old. He's comfortable with technology. It says most of these members typically are comfortable with technology using social media websites as a significant portion of their socialization, their socializing, their friendships. It goes on to say millennials and Generation Z, their morals and ethic capacity, ethic capacity is found through social media and the internet. So we have the two largest generations in our country growing up through social media, finding their moral compass, finding their ethics, finding their identity through what? A landfill. A landfill. Leading them a million different directions. Listen, these generations, my son's generation, doesn't need us to point out all the problems. They see the problems. They're on social media. They see the problems every single day. They know all the problems. They probably know the problems better than we know the problems, okay? They know what's happening. What they need is this. They need a church that will point out truth and give them real answers and give them real Jesus. That is what this country needs. That is what our city needs. That is what our world needs. A church that will say, you know what? This is truth. There is truth. There is black and white. There is truth in the word of God. There is truth in serving Jesus. And if you'll follow the truth and you'll put your eyes on Jesus, he will transform your life and you will have joy. You will have peace. You will have sanctuary in your soul. But until you follow truth, you'll never find it. They need a church that will stand up. He said, we're going to build this place on the truth. We're going to build it on the word of God. See, we have this idea in America right now. The church is dying. The church is dying. The church is dying. The church is dead. The church is moving on. You know, nobody wants to go to church. I hear this all the time. Millennials don't want to go to church. People don't want to go to church. They want to spend Sundays on the lake. They want to do this. They want to do that. And, and I really believe that this is exactly what the enemy wants us to believe. I believe that this is the lie that the enemy is speaking over our country. But I know something different. There is hope when we lift up the banner of Jesus Christ. There is hope when we lift up the name of Jesus. There is hope when we lift up truth. Go with me to John chapter 11, okay? John chapter 11. You don't got your Bible. It's okay. We'll have it on the screen. For you. Can you open that for me real quick? You're just a man today. I mean, God appointed you to be here today. Amen. Okay? <laughs> John chapter 11, okay? It's a story about Lazarus, okay? Verse 17 says this. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been in his grave clothes for four days. Lazarus had died. 
He's in the, in the tomb. He's dead for four days. Bethany was only a few miles from the road from Jerusalem. Many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And Martha says this, okay? You can highlight this in your Bible, on your phone, whatever. Verse 21, Martha says this, Lord! Okay? When I read the Bible, I get pictures in my mind, okay? You ever have somebody that's angry with you, frustrated with you, they got that scowl on their face, you know what I mean? You know, your wife comes to you and she's like, Jim! You know what I mean? You're like... Ah, oh, dang it, this is not a good day for me, you know what I mean? This is how I picture this moment. She is hurting. She's in pain. She doesn't understand what's going on. My brother's dead. And she says, Lord, kind of like in a way like I am frustrated with you, Lord. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, but I've had some moments like that before. I've had some moments. I could take you to different places around this city where I've had moments with the Lord. I remember this one time I had a moment with the Lord at like 3 o'clock in the morning at Little Miami High School. And a cop pulled up and he was like, are you okay? Are you drunk? I'm like, no, I'm just angry and mad at God and I'm having it out with him right now. And he was like, go on, get happy business. You know what I mean? If you've served the Lord for any period of time, you've had a moment where you're like, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. And she says this, Lord, if you were only here, my brother wouldn't have died. There are these moments with God where we want to shift all of our frustration, all of our pain, all of our doubt, everything that's happening, we want to shift it onto God and go, God, if you were only here, this wouldn't have happened. You would have saved me, but you weren't here. You were asleep at the wheel. And because you were, this happened. And I'm frustrated about it. Verse 32, Mary comes out and she says the exact same thing. Again, in the Bible, as these quotations run, it says, Lord, Lord. Like, anybody, any of you guys watch Monday Night Football? Okay, ESPN Monday Night Football. There's a segment on Monday Night Football called Come On Man. They do this thing, it's like where it's like, you know, like somebody runs in somebody's butt and they fall down and they fumble. You know what I mean? Like kind of like a, a football funny moment, and they'll do these moments like, Come on, man. It's almost like this is happening in the Bible. It's almost like she's like, Lord, come on, man. Come on, Lord. You're just a few miles down the road. Four days? Four days? You couldn't have come any sooner? Come on, man. Come on, Jesus. Where have you been? My brother's dead. And if you would have been here, he wouldn't, he would still be here with us. Come on, Lord. I used to have these moments all the time, God. I used to tell the Lord this all the time. I'd say, Lord, man, God, this wouldn't have happened if my grandparents didn't die. Come on, Lord. I get so angry and frustrated with the Lord. Come on, Lord. If my mom and dad didn't split up, if you would have just been in the midst of that, my life wouldn't have turned out this way or this wouldn't have happened. Come on, Lord. And we all do this to some degree with God. Come on, God. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm upset. Goes on to say in verse 33, Jesus saw her weeping and wailing, and there was other people wailing with her. And it says this, a deep anger welled up within him. 
he was deeply troubled. Um, Matt, uh, I totally forgot about this. In in uh, in my in the pack there, there's my props in my bag and back there we grab it. Totally forgot it. it. Says this that he was deeply angered. Well within him, he was deeply troubled. Okay, verse 34. Where have you put him? He asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus then wept. And the people who were there standing with him said this, The man healed the blind, but he couldn't keep Lazarus from dying? Kind of like everybody's like turned kind of sarcastic all of a sudden. Like, you can heal the blind, but your best friend, one of your boys, you can't even keep him alive? What's going on, Jesus? What's, what's happening? Okay? And it says this, the man, says Jesus in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Okay? So, that really stuck out to me. I was like, why does the Bible say that Jesus was angry twice? Why does it highlight this that Jesus was angry, and then he got to the tomb and he was still angry? Okay? I want, I want to do this little experiment. Okay? Alright, no, yeah, yeah, okay. Alright, yeah. right, can you get that blindfold? I need Farah, Farah, come here, okay? Yeah. Give it up for Farah, everybody, okay? Come on, get behind. I know you don't know her, that's okay, okay. Uh, we're gonna do a little little experiment uh, with Farah. Okay. Alright, I need I need help, okay? Uh, hope you wanna we're gonna blindfold Farah real quick. We're gonna do a little test here, okay? Make sure that she can't see. Alright, is that cool, Farah? Alright? Is this cool? Yeah, I'm losing my voice. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Farrah. Okay, but yeah, you don't need your voice for this very much. Okay, alright, so wrap her up. Okay, yeah, you don't need your eyes. Okay, uh, you don't need nothing. Okay, so we're going to do this little uh, little experiment with Farrah, okay? Can you see anything, Farrah? No. You sure? No. Can't see anything? You can't see nothing. Oh, no, okay, all right, all right, all right. She's, she's good. Okay, all right. So, Farah, I want you to do something for me, okay? I'm going to put some objects into your hand, okay? All right? And then I want you to try to explain to us what you're holding, okay? you got a few different objects. All right, you ready? Okay, all right, here we go. Object number one, okay? So, here you go. You can Now, you can feel it and feel around it, okay? And, uh... Try to then figure out what we are talking about, okay? All right? Have you felt it? Yes. Yeah? It feels like some sort of mask. It feels like a mask, okay? All right, all right. Do you know what kind of mask? Um, no. No, 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 no. Do you, do you know the color of the mask? No. No, no? You just know that? It feels shiny. It feels shiny. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. All right, we got another one. Got another one for you. This one might be uh, easier. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Feel it. Feel it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you? What are you feeling? Huh? I feel a cord and then some buttons, like a controller. Like a controller. Okay. Do you know what kind of controller? Uh, Nintendo. Oh! Listen, that look. Come on. Come on. She was right on that one. All right. All right. All right. Number three. Number three. Here we go. You ready? Okay, okay. All right, put it in your hand. All right. What do you feel? Um, it's got plastic on it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It might hit her tooth. If you chipped her tooth, don't sue me, okay? All right. Talk to the Lord. Maybe a candle. Okay, maybe, maybe a candle. Maybe a candle. All right. All right, number four. Number four. Okay. Number four. Okay. All right. 
What do you see, Lynn? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. No idea. No idea. Okay, all right. Take the blindfold off. Okay, okay. okay. We're going to go through this, okay? All right. No idea was a snorkel, okay? Why there's a snorkel in my house, I have no idea either, okay? But it was in my basement. I think Ben plays with it. Um, he might have had his mouth on it at one time. I'm sorry, okay? We had a snorkel, okay? We had a candle. Yes, we, we had a candle. We had a Nintendo. Come on, two, two. And a mask. Just didn't know. Didn't guess a stormtrooper. I know that you probably love stormtroopers and you just think about them all the time, don't you? You know? Okay, give it up for Farah, everybody. Now, I know that you all are like, what are we doing right now? Okay? I want to answer this question why Jesus was mad. Okay? So everybody's so upset, correct? We're so frustrated. Lazarus is dead, people are crying, they're wailing. I mean, you know, you've been to a funeral like this before. There's no understanding. People don't get it. But it says that Jesus was mad. Was Jesus mad at Lazarus? Was Jesus mad, you know, at necessarily Mary and Martha? No, I don't really think he was. What I think he was mad about was this, was the lack of sight that was happening in that moment. He's Jesus. He's God himself. And he's shown up. And if you know anything about Jesus, you know this. When he shows up, he shows out. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't just show up to do anything. He shows up to show out. So when Jesus comes, when the presence of God comes, he comes to heal what is broken. And nobody can see past Lazarus dead in the tomb. What is Jesus angry about. He's angry that, hey, you can't see beyond the, the end of your nose right now. You can't see that. Guess what? I know he's been dead for four days, but guess what? I showed up. I'm here. And there's so many times we think, God, if you would have just been there, my marriage wouldn't look like this. If, my, if you were just there, my life wouldn't look like this. My finances, the depression, whatever you want to put into that category, we think, God, if you were just there, if you were just there, and the whole time Jesus is saying to these group of people, don't you get it? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I know you don't get it, but I'm here. And I want you to know that when I'm here, I'm going to do something that you can't even fathom. How many of you know this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17? It says, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We quote this in church all the time. This is like our go-to. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, thank God he's not our worship leader here in this church, you know? Yeah, I think the same way. We think, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yes, there is. But we fail to read the verse before. What does the verse before say? Verse 16, it says this. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, look at somebody say, turn to the Lord. Okay, look at them say, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord, okay? When somebody turns, 
When somebody gives their life to Jesus, when somebody who knew Jesus and now is estranged from Jesus and comes back to Jesus, when we turn, we think about this from the standpoint of when somebody gets saved. But I want you to see it from your own life and your own perspective that there are days and there are times that you have to turn to Jesus. You got to turn to Him. Because when you turn to Him, guess what? He then starts speaking. And you can start hearing. Because it says this, when, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And when the veil is taken away, then guess what? I can see Him and I can hear Him. I was so frustrated. This was probably Wednesday and Thursday about some things that are happening in our life and, and, and the future of the church. And I was just so angry and so upset. And I felt so much confusion. And so I ran to the office on Friday morning and I just shut the doors. I locked the doors. I turned my phone off and I said, Jesus, I'm here. And the moment I said, Jesus, I'm here. And I turned my eyes, not to the problems, but to the one who can answer the problems. That's when I heard his voice. That's when I saw clarity. And when that happens, we turn to the Lord, and then the Spirit of the Lord then comes and it brings freedom. Listen, listen, freedom doesn't come until we surrender our life to Jesus in that area. See, we have this idea of like, oh, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I said yes to Jesus, and he came into my life, and yes, the Spirit of the Lord came into your life. But then there's a constant process of finding these areas in our life that he's like, hey, I need you, I need you to give me that. I need you to turn to me and see what I would have to say about that. I mean, it can be about anything. I remember I, I used to have horrible road rage. I mean, like horrible road rage. I like, you know, getting the number one signal was like my thing for a long time. Like, you are number one in Jesus' name, you know? Listen, it could be anything. Jesus just needs us to turn. So we can see him and we can hear him. The verse goes on back to John chapter 39. It says, roll the stone away. Jesus told him, but Mary says, no. She protests, Lord, again, this is that word, Lord, like, Lord, I am angry and I'm frustrated with you. Don't you know he's been in there for four days? And the smell is going to be terrible? And this is Jesus' response. He said, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believed? Listen, you will see God do incredible works for you, for your family in this church, if you will just believe. If you'll just believe. It is so hard sometimes to get somebody healed because they don't believe what I believe. Sometimes I'm like, will you just put your faith in neutral and just ride on my faith with me, please? I just need you to believe with me. If you'll just believe, Jesus says, if you'll just believe. So Jesus says, look, roll the stone away. In verse 43, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came up. And his feet were bound in grave clothes. And his face was wrapped in the head cloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Look, Jesus is just looking for a church that will worship Him in spirit and truth. Jesus is looking for a church that will preach the Word of God in truth and in fullness. And Jesus says this, 
what you think is dead is not really dead. If you'll just believe on me, I will show you that it is not dead, but I will raise up a church that is powerful, that is full of the presence of God, that is full of the Holy Spirit, and I will raise up people that are living lives of victory. I'll show you. The church isn't dead. The church is alive. If you'll just believe on me, if you'll let me do what I want to do, if you'll just be a church that's not lukewarm, if you'll be a church that comes in with passion, if you'll be a church that comes in and go, you know what? I'm going to worship God regardless of how my week went. I'm going to worship God regardless of how I feel. I'm going to dive into the Word of God. I'm going to come ready. I'm going to come ready to love somebody else. I'm going to come ready to pray for somebody else. I'm going to come ready to invest my life into kids in the back. I'm going to come ready to help in the parking lot. I'm going to come ready to serve at the cafe. I'm going to come ready. I'm going to come ready and expecting God to do miraculous things every single Sunday because guess what? I believe that when Jesus shows up, he shows up. So I, I am going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. I'm going to be a part of a church that is powerful for the name of Jesus before he comes back. Amen? Amen. That's not just me and Jess, but that's us. We're together. Elevate church together. Band, you can start coming on up. You can stand to your feet if you want to. Stand up with me today. I want to share with you... You know, the Lord started speaking to me about, I've told you this over and over again, the Lord started speaking to me about 2017 and what this church looks like. But it just keeps getting clearer and clearer. It's supposed to be a church of freedom, a church of joy, a church that the name of Jesus is lifted up, a church where the power of God is present, a church that love abounds in significant ways. A church that honors truth. A church that is there that can set people free. They can find freedom in their soul. They can find freedom in their life. They can find freedom from all the voices in their head. They can find freedom from all the junk that they're walking through. Just a church that's full of life. People, we're in the end days. We're in the end days. We're in them. And I don't believe that God is dead. I don't believe that God is dead. I just think that God is just beginning. Right before he busts through the clouds. And I'm so excited to be a part of that. And you're like, why? Why are we? Why are we having these messages over and over again? Okay, I can I listen. I know, I know people sometimes, they think, okay, why, why do we keep hearing about this? Why does the Lord keep leading this on Jeff's heart? Because he's going, I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. It's like, it's like a rocket ship that's about to take off. I'm like, I have this big piece of glass on my wall in my office, and I've wrote down all these promises that God has spoken to me over the last six months about Elevate Church. And one of the things he told me, he said, Elevate Church is like a rocket ship, and it's on the base. And the, you know, like when a rocket is about to take off, like there's some shaking going on. You know what I mean? There's some rumbling happening. You know, the engine, they're starting to test the engines. They're starting to fire the engines because what they're getting ready for that rocket to take off 
Listen, that rocket can't take off unless you're with us. That rocket can't go into space and do what it's supposed to do unless you're with us. God can't do what he wants to do in this city unless you're connected with us. Unless you're willing to serve. Unless you're willing to go, I'm not going to live for this life, but I'm going to live for eternity. I'm a part of eternity. And when I get to heaven, when I stand before Jesus, I want him to say, well done, my faithful servant. Welcome to your joy. Welcome to your peace. Look at what your life represents. It represents more than boats and homes and vacations. It represents more than clothes and going out to eat. It represents souls. It represents people. And he's going to go, thank you for being a part of what I was doing in the end days. Thank you for not being selfish. Thank you for putting the kingdom first. Thank you, my son, my daughter. 